There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. It's another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. My guest for this episode is Elliot Bassett of Ellerbrock Norris in Omaha, Nebraska. Elliot, I'm not sure exactly what your title is, but I know it's director of something, senior vice president of something. You're a second generation in a family agency, so the titles really don't matter that much, do they? Yeah, it's kind of a wearer of all hats, so... Oh, man. yeah. As my grandfather would say, chief bottle washer. Yeah, oh, yeah, I don't know if that's too. really a thing anymore. Oh, well. But, hey, Elliot, thank you for joining us on AFP. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about Launch, uh, your software platform that you guys are bringing to market uh, and, and delivering to independent agencies across the country. And I'd love to hear about Ellerbrock Norris as well. Uh, you guys are a powerhouse agency in Nebraska. Uh, you operate throughout the Midwest. Uh, and there's a lot of meat on that bone for sure. So uh, thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I, I think we've got a lot of uh, ground we can cover and uh, happy to jump into anything. You know, we've we've evolved quite a bit over the last few years as a company, which, as you mentioned, led to even starting a software company. So uh, mm-hmm. love to talk about our experiences and uh, how, you know, it might help other agency owners or producers or or whatever we can do. So I'm, I'm game for whatever. Awesome. I'd love to start with your backstory. Give us uh, whatever sort of background and history you feel is relevant uh, for our Freedom Jumper audience. I'd uh, love to hear about Ellerbrock Norris, what you guys are into, what you feel like you're really good at, what mm-hmm. your superpower is, as they say. And then let's discuss uh, after that the sales process conversation, because you guys have a, a podcast. You were kind enough to invite me on a few weeks ago. Yes, sir. Uh, Everybody should check out the real- episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll drop a link in this episode's uh, show notes if you guys want to check out the interview I did uh, with Elliot and his colleagues at Ellerbrock Norris. It was talking about sales process, and um, you probably are already getting enough of me in your ear, but if you want a little bit more, you can check out that one. I'll, I'll drop it in the show notes. But uh, Elliot, why don't you give us the background, and we'll take it from there, man. Yeah, for sure. So background kind of on Ellerbrock Norris to start. We actually, our, our firm started in 1906. Um, in a small town, Hastings, Nebraska, and has evolved, you know, through the years as that PNC independent agency, you know, uh, grew a little bit more in the early 2000s. And we were just that standard PNC independent agency for for many years. And in that 2015-16 arena, we joined a a group called Insight Performance Group, uh, which really shifted our perspective on the industry, how we operate within the industry, what our model and our value proposition is in the industry. Uh, and, and that shifted from that independent insurance agent to more of that risk advisor, risk management, risk advisory firm. So um, we kind of went all in on that. You know, we asked ourselves the question, if if we're going to be acting as these risk advisors, or if we're going to be providing these products and advising on these products, we really should be advising on risk in general in a, in a company. So that led us down a path of, we've built out three different divisions of the company since then, really answering client needs. You know, we we work with and, and our clients trust us in certain areas and we can broaden that relationship out into other areas that they have risk in or that they are, you know, frustrated with their current relationship or things like that. And um, it makes a ton of sense. And so we built out that uh, process, I guess, to, to build or, or to work with our clients in that risk advisory model. 
Um, and through that, had a lot of struggles with technology and things that could support that process. And so that's where Launch was born out of, which is the software platform you were you were mentioning and uh, kind of led us to where we're at today. So it's been quite the evolution, but uh, it's been a fun, fun ride. And, and that's a lot of what we talked about with you on the podcast, too, is how do we kind of shift to this you know, model of going deeper with clients, not just quoting insurance, right? But really having a value proposition and how do we find those those problems and pain points that our clients are having and, and ultimately help solve them for them. Love it. Now that's a fantastic intro. And, and Ellerbrock Norris, for starters, I had no idea is a hundred plus year old agency. Uh, Started by a that dentist. Is, no kidding. Yeah, couldn't get medical malpractice insurance. So him and his wife started. So a, he started his own agency. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah, you totally. got with an entrepreneurial spirit, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't hear that no, at a dentist so, too often, but hey. Oh, man. I love it. <laughs> so Ellerbrock Norris, you're in the Midwest. What, uh, tell me the, just the rundown real quick. How many people work there? How many offices? What are your, your niche focuses, niche, whatever you want to call it? Uh, what's the 411 on Ellerbrock Norris? Yeah, for sure. We're... We're about 65 team members across four locations in Nebraska. And, you know, our our book is about probably 80% commercial PNC business at this point. Um, then we have some personal lines and then we do group benefits. Uh, we have a wealth strategies division, which does financial planning, wealth management. Um, and then we have what we call business solutions, which is kind of a catch-all for some unique consulting work and things like that that we do. Um, so those are our four divisions across, uh, those team members. Um, we don't niche down too specifically. I mean, being 116 years old, we're definitely, our book is definitely generalist type of agency, but, uh, we are working to get more niche and vertical focused, but the largest piece of our book, what we kind of naturally have gravitated towards over the years is that blue collar industry. So we have a lot of construction, a lot of manufacturing, you know, wholesale distribution are kind of our three major. And then we do some property and things like that, but that can be a challenge in the Midwest, as you probably know. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we have this thing called wind and hail. Yeah, just a little bit. But just the smidge. Yeah. And so, uh, um, but that's that's who we found, you know, over the years, even, even prior to kind of making that shift, those are areas uh, that we could really provide value to clients. We could, you know, advise them on work comp and they're higher hazard mm -hmm. industries. So we could provide more value. Um, and so those are, those are kind of naturally where our book sits, I guess. You know, one of these days I, I'm going to get somebody on, we, we touched on it a little bit with Vonda Copeland. Uh, she's in Kansas, but, um, the whole farm and ranch and agriculture, agribusiness, crop insurance, stuff like that. I just about know zero about that side of the PNC yep. insurance world. So you know, one of these days, I'm going to find somebody in the Midwest who says, man, I just love crop insurance yeah. in farming, like somebody who goes hard after that, that segment. Yeah. And we're going to, it doesn't sound like that's something you guys do a ton of, or else you would have mentioned it in your list there. I, do you know anybody who just absolutely crushes it in farm and ranch and agribusiness? Yeah, there's certainly some in the, in the Western part of the state of our state, particularly it's a different, it's a unique animal. So we actually had a small book uh, a few years ago that, it, you know, it's enough, the, the continuing ed is enough and things to keep it up that you really got to be doing crop insurance and that's about all you got to do. And so we ended up um, selling that book to one of a, a firm that specialized in it. And so, yeah, there's, there's several that do and, you know, it's a, it's a great line of business if you know what you're doing. It's a bit unique, obviously, because, you know, those, those, when those storms roll through, those are big claim events and things. But yeah, I mean, certainly we could probably hook you up with a few around here. Yeah. The whole agribusiness world, it's not just the crops themselves, but the oh. entire ecosystem around that part of the economy. It's one of the few things that I don't know anything about. So I'm I'm becoming more curious about it. We'll have to connect offline about that. But you know, the stuff that you guys are into it, it seems so perfectly aligned for the culture of Nebraska and, and the, the, the livelihood and the lifestyle of, of the people of that part of the country. So, you know, talk to me about uh, the, the culture, the identity of Ellerbrock Norris in your communities, and then we'll pivot from there uh, and talk about the sales process thing you guys got going on. Yeah, for sure. And that culture's a, I mean, I think it's the lifeblood of any, uh, any company really, but particularly in our industry, and I think it's getting more important even now with 
you know, how uh, employees can move around very easily. You know, we can work from home, all of those things. And so we, we try to drive a very team oriented environment. And so, um, you know, we don't take the approach of, um, you know, the producer kind of owning and running their own book, right? It's a team approach to service that client. Each person on the team has a very specific role in that team structure. And that just spreads throughout the the company. Um, you know, when it comes to how we operate, as you mentioned, we try to use the term team members, not employees or, or whatnot. Um, and then we you know, one of the best things we did from a culture perspective is we wrote what we call, actually, this comes from Larry Linney, who you know, um, a brand compass, which is kind of your mission vision statement on steroids. Um, and we yep. we reference it in everything that we do. Um, and so in the middle of that is what we call our stakeholders. Um, that is who, not, not shareholders, stakeholders. That's who relies on Eller Brock Norris every day, right? Our clients, our team members, our communities, our shareholders, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's really what's at the foundation of who we are and what we do. You know, we grew up in small communities, and so we're, we're very passionate about our communities that we're in and making sure that we're protecting those small businesses. And really, when you think about it, that's, that's the why behind what we do every day, right? The, the small, medium-sized business is what is the engine of our economy. And everybody wants the, you know, huge business that's the you know, $100,000 revenue account and whatever, and certainly the large firms target a lot of those accounts, but we, we feel like, you know, there's a, uh, not only big opportunity, but you know, we kind of have a duty to help support those, those community based, well-run solid businesses that ultimately drive our economy, um, and drive what we do every day and, and the lifeblood of our communities. And so we, we pull a lot from that inspiration and, uh, you know, we kind of bleed it into everything that we do throughout the company. And uh, you're right, though, we have that very Midwestern, uh, you know, mentality and culture. And uh, it's really yep. served us well over the years. So, you know, that that gritty, resilient, <laughs> self-reliant, you know, get it done kind of attitude seems to be uh, pretty universal in that <laughs> part of the country. Uh, you're, you're not going to hear a lot of whining and complaining. It's a you know what? Figure it out, get it done. Yep. Uh, it, it sounds like you guys have uh, just got the perfect fit for where you are in the country. That that may not work the same way in, <laughs> I don't know, you know, coastal New Jersey or something, uh, but it, it works, it works out us, great so yeah. for Nebraska. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. So talk to me about the inspiration. Uh, sorry, I'll use my little uh, whoosh sound effect there as we change subjects <laughs> here abruptly. Uh, what is the inspiration for this uh, sales process series? Because you guys started a podcast, like Getting Past the Premium, I think is the name of the show, you got right? It. Yep, yep. Sweet. So talk to me about the podcast if you want to uh, in general, but then this uh, sales process series, because a lot of names that my listeners are familiar with have been on your show. Yeah. You're kind of making your rounds with folks that <laughs> uh, that I, I consider friends and colleagues. So uh, I had never heard of your podcast, and then you reached out uh, and was like, hey, uh, why don't you be on a show? So, of course, if I'm going to be on a show, I'm going to listen to a show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I pulled up a few episodes, and I'm like, wait a second. That was really good. For starters, I like your show. I like the premise. Uh, but the the three or four episodes that I've listened to so far, it's like, that's a different angle. Uh, I've heard Mick Hunt. Uh, Mick has been on my show, yep. and, and Mick Mick is uh, definitely a, a friend in the industry, but what he delivered to you guys is a different take on mm -hmm. things. Uh, you, you brought him into a different conversation than he typically has on these kind of shows. So I'd love to hear about your take on that and what you guys are up to in the podcast and uh, kind of the, the inspiration for the sales process series. Yeah, definitely. And I, I appreciate that. And Mick, you mentioned is a stud. So shout out to Mick. Um, he has done a ton for the industry. So, um, you know, we started the podcast. It was really, um, you know, a fun experiment to, I mentioned us having that evolution from, you know, just being that, you know, standard independent agent, which there's nothing wrong with, but we made that evolution to more of that risk advisor, risk management approach because, we felt like we saw that's where the industry was going. And these are very important products that we're offering to people. And so, you know, it's incumbent upon us to do more than just the copy, quote, pray model. We really need to understand our, our clients' businesses, um, our clients' personal lives, and be able to advise them on what they're purchasing, right? 
Um, and so we decided we wanted to be um, an engine that helps, you know, drive that conversation and help make that shift in the industry. And so uh, started the, the podcast a couple of years ago, um, getting past the premium, as you mentioned, which just in the name is, is what it means, right? How do we get past just that, how the clients view our industry a lot of times, right? Because we've trained them to, to think that way, right? Just look at the premium. All the coverage is the same, right? Say 15% in 15 minutes and, you know, all the things that they see and hear in advertisements. Um, we, we need to shift that. And we're the, the independent agency channel is the channel that can shift that. And if we can do that, the folks that are, are have that model and that are, are implementing that model are really going to uh, be on the forefront with those clients. And, you know, the more that we can help our clients understand that, the more that they're going to understand this is the way that business should be done. Um, so we decided to do this sales process series where we can talk to folks like you that have implemented and really thought through a strategic sales process that can help you better understand your client and the risks that they face and present solutions, et cetera. Um, and then we're going to uh, we're just finishing up that series, so we're going to take all of that information and kind of compile it and pull out the common themes that we can then, you know, write some resources on and get out to people in the industry that they can use to help build their sales processes off of. So um, it's really kind of just our way to continue this conversation in the industry about how can we all get better, how can we continue to do better for our clients, which ultimately, you know, supports our communities and everything that we've talked about up to this point. So it's been fun, though. I'm sure like you, I love talking to new people, getting different perspectives on things. And, um, you know, it's a blast. I certainly had fun. It's it is it's always nice to get into a new conversation with someone outside of the the usual suspects. And, you know, <laughs> I at this point, I, I'm all the way into podcasting land uh, in the industry. So to discover someone that I hadn't heard of before and then to realize that you know, we have significant overlap in, in multiple different circles. It was uh, it was definitely refreshing, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you guys touched a couple of nerves in that episode where I, I got a little uh, <laughs> a little eager and, and excited. I know that's a shock to everyone listening to this show. That would never no happen. No way. Absolutely uh, Jenkins never has any strong opinions. So No, man, that was a good uh, episode, man. We had, we had fun. And there was a couple things that you talked through that you have, and this is why I love doing it because again, you have a couple things in your process that are, I think are pretty unique to you. You know, when you were talking about how you take the client, you know, we started at suspect basically, even before they hear about you, all the way through to, and I can't remember the term that you use, which you should tell everybody. Yeah, validated that, client. There you go through validated client, which most people haven't probably thought all the way through that. You know, they think I get, uh, they come on board as a client. We got to, you know, do all the right things to keep them as a client. But uh, that was a great perspective that um, I think everybody can think about. Well, and just the whole thing of you don't really have somebody until you've had them for one renewal. Like until you, until you get them again after the first renewal, I feel like then, okay, you've got them and you can start working the more long game with them. But for that first year, it's almost like dating. Yeah. You know, you get done with your, as Charles Specht calls it, the timeline of services. Mm -hmm. uh, and we operate on a, a three-year program. We tell them up front, if you come over here, we expect you to be here for three years. And here's what's going to happen in year one and year two and year three. And, you know, if they come back after year one and, and say, yeah, I'd like to see what year two looks like. Well, it tells you you did something right yeah. in year one or else they would have treated you like a commodity and, probably gone somewhere else at renewal. So yeah. Uh, that, and you know, a different perspective too, that this is a Larryism um, that you'll, you'll hear at some point, but we, so we do three year plans as well, or, or that's our goal. Uh, probably not as structured as your one, two, three, but, but we always want a three year plan, but we want to renew the three year plan each year so that the client is always in the first year of a three year plan. And the theory is if you do it really well, your competition can come in and, you know, say, hey, let, let me take a look at your insurance or whatever. And hopefully the client says, you know, well, I'm, hey, I'm right in the middle of my three-year plan. You know, we're, we're in the first year of, of what I committed to for three years. So it just shifts that perspective a little bit. And that, that's a total Larry Linneyism that we've implemented yep. certainly and, and love the philosophy. So, Well, and the, the whole way of attacking an account, I'm going, well, if you can X, then I'll switch. Is like, well, hold on a second. What's happening right now, the, the, the rates that you get in the marketplace right now, I don't have any control over at all. Yeah. They're a reflection of the company that you've been the last three years. 
but you know, here's what we're going to do. You, you know, come over and we'll help fix X, Y, Z. And you know, two years from now, three, four, five years from now, you're going to see significant benefits from coming over. It's like shifting the entire conversation of what can you do for me to hold on a second. I can't do anything for you. The die's already cast, but I can make sure that moving forward, you're set up for long-term success. uh, And you know, the total cost of risk conversation, obviously, you're very familiar with, I would expect. Totally, and, yeah. You know, all of that stuff. It's It turns the whole conversation on its head. When you get to bury the current <laughs> rate environment uh, underneath the feet of the incumbent agent and make their current rate the fault of the incumbent agent, and it's like, whatever you find in the marketplace right now is the fault of your current representation and the way that you've run your company the last two or three years. When I heard those talking points, I'm just like, oh, crap. Yep. It makes That's sense. That's a too. different way of approaching it. Because the client can't possibly argue with yeah. you. The only response to that is, oh, that makes sense. I hadn't thought about it that way. Exactly. Because it's perfectly rational. And it's like, hey, the rate today is what it is. I haven't had an opportunity to impact your rate yet. It's like, yeah. ooh, I like that. <laughs> well, and a lot of times, you know, we don't even have to throw the incumbent relationship under the bus. We can just explain how that works with the client. They can mm-hmm. make and draw the conclusions, and oh yeah, it's super easy to do. It, it, it's that light bulb moment that you can tell when a client all of a sudden gets it or a prospect, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Now we're getting somewhere," you know. And it's just you well, can let, see. Let's it. be real in a, in a conversation with an insured. I am not about to bash their yeah. incumbent, but when you and I are talking, oh, yeah. the hot take is going to come out for <laughs> sure. And we're there's so many ways to throw somebody under the bus without throwing them there. Yep, uh, no. it's education. But, uh, you know, I mean, yep. Clients and prospects don't know how, as much as we think they do, they don't know how this industry works. They don't no. know the levers they can pull. They don't know how they should be looking at it. They just want to run their business. And again, that goes back to we we need to be the ones that help educate them. It, there's so much power in the education. And, and, and honestly, you know, we were having this conversation in a, a group on, on social media about the natural process of market segmentation. And the the poster was commenting their frustration about how, you know, everyone just seems to be so price sensitive. Nobody wants to listen. Nobody you know, wants to have a value conversation. And I'm sitting there going, you're talking to the wrong people, bro. Like, I'm not in the business of convincing anyone of anything. I don't know yep. how you feel about that, Elliot. Totally. But if I, I say those words to clients and prospects all the time, look, I'm not in the business of convincing you of anything, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect. Here's the thing, you know, this is who we are, this is what we do, and if you like the sound of this, great, let's keep talking. If you don't, cool, I'm moving on fast because I ain't about to try to convince you of anything. Yep. That's a waste of my valuable time. Now, I, I, those words I will say, and it seems, to somebody who doesn't understand, it sounds cocky and arrogant, but it's not. Yeah. It's simply that I know exactly what my value is in the marketplace, and if somebody wants to argue or somebody wants to make a price-based decision cool no big deal market segmentation says you are free to do as you please (laughs) just not my client yeah 100 percent. well i think it's super important that you know uh, the listeners are are willing to do that because the worst thing you can do is uh have a bring a prospect on as a client that doesn't align with your mm-hmm. process, your relationship, your value prop, because it's you're just gonna you're gonna be upside down on that client from day one, and that yep. like him or not, Jordan Belfort, the the Wolf of Wall Street. I heard him on an interview where somebody it was the whole you know sell me this pen thing, and he's like, <laughs> well the the best people at the end of the day. This is one thing that I would agree with him on. Uh, and again, take him how take him for one of the is. only more than likely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but he basically just said that he goes. The first thing you do is don't try to sell somebody anything. Just find people that want to buy what you have, and then yep. you don't. Then you're not selling them. You're educating them. You're helping them understand if what you have is it the right fit for them. And that didn't make sense to me because I think too often you know those hardcore sales you know, trainers and whatnot, or all the little tricks and things that you can get to trick somebody into buying your product. And at the end of the day, sure, you might be able to get somebody, convince somebody to be able to buy something today, but that's not a recipe for a long-term relationship. And so again, take all the stuff that with him, but that's one thing that made sense to me is I thought, you know, um, we need to get out and just find the people that align with who we are, what we do and the value we can bring. 
And trust me, there's enough of them out there. Um, you just got to yep. market yourself and do all the right things. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. The beauty of this game that we're playing is there's plenty of business to go around and there's plenty of different types of prospects to go around and, and, and clients too, for that matter, of course. The folks that want to whine and complain about the, the evils of commoditization, I'm just like, okay, well, you go ahead and have your complaining festival and... Uh, you know, as my grandfather said, you know, if you turn and face the wind and, and, and pee into the wind and you get sprayed with your own urine, don't complain about the wind. <laughs> Just adjust your approach. Yep. And it's like, okay, I, that is a, you know, not necessarily the most uh, pleasant yeah. visual, uh, but, but it works. It, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it's like, it's your own fault that it's like that. Just adjust your approach and the results will be a lot better. Uh, Bingo. The, um, yeah, I just offended the entire female population of our listener group. So for that, uh, I'm sure I'll hear about from my wife. So, <laughs> or or uh, or my mother-in-law who regularly listens to the show. So I'll huh. get smacked on the shoulder for that one. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, at least um, they listen. I'm so, not sure my wife even listens to our show. <laughs> I, I think I think she just purely entertainment value. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'd love to hear about launch. Uh, what is this thing that you guys decided to do? You launched a software company. There, I said it right there. You launched <laughs> launch. Uh, what, what's that all about? Yeah. Um, you know, we, as I mentioned, we had that uh, shifted that methodology that we had around our sales process and just had a lot of struggle with the technology that was available to implement that process. And we know or we knew when we had proved that when we did that and we the process, we did it consistently, uh, it worked. The problem was it was cumbersome to do. You, know, you had to build the assessment every time. You had to do your own quantification. All of those different things made it difficult uh, to do consistently and to do effectively. And so uh, we just finally made the decision that we were going to build something that would work specifically for us. Um, so we did that. And then, you know, in talking to several circles that we're in, in uh, other agencies, a lot of folks were like, hey, we could use that. You know, we, we'd love to have that. And so uh, we went through a beta program and got a lot of feedback, made some tweaks and uh, rolled it out to, to the market. And so um, really what Launch does is it digitizes that entire process that we've been talking about. You know, the sales process series that, uh, you know, you discussed and things. It's taking that assessment-based model putting it into a software system that makes it super easy to walk through. It gives you a, a, an objective risk score. So when you go through that assessment with your client, you're asking all these questions, they're actually going to get a score on a scale from a zero to a thousand. Um, and then the system will take all that information and it has some sweet visuals that you can show to the client to show them their areas of inefficiency or, or deficiency and what they're doing really well, um, provides that kind of a conversation so you can highlight those problems, those pain points for them. And then a super easy way to build out that client plan, or as you mentioned, Charles Speck, the timeline of services, you know, so that you can show them, hey, you've got these areas that need to be improved. Here's specifically how we're going to come in to improve them for you. Um, and then we're going to do that on an ongoing basis, right? So to your point, if we put that plan in place, it's a three-year plan, we're going to update that. We're going to enter into year two, or we're going to renew the plan or whatever we're going to do it next year and you know update our risk score so on and so forth and so there's several things in there with within the system that allow us to differentiate and to you know provide value to the client but ultimately that that's the meat and potatoes of of the system so help me kind of have an example here you talk about uh, assessment based um, display and you're walking through a i'm sure it's a questionnaire of some kind 
you know, you know, which which of the following would you agree, you know, is most like you, one, two, or three, or neutral, strongly agree, strongly yep. disagree, whatever your metrics are. Uh, you know, walk me through a, a a use case of when launch would be appropriate in the sales process. Yeah. So I'll give you just an example of when it fits into our process. We have a three meeting process. Uh, so first meeting is get to know you, determine alignment. You know, do you fit one of our verticals, things like that. Uh, assuming that that all goes well, the client says, yeah, I, I want to, you know, see how you could help. Um, we go to our next step, which we call a risk profile evaluation, but it's essentially the assessment. Um, and that is, we set it up so that the client knows this is going to be an in-depth conversation. We're going to ask you a ton of questions. At the end of that, we're going to actually have a risk score and we're going to be able to break down your risk profile so that we can help make better decisions when it comes to your risk management program. Um, and so how that actually functions then is very open-ended questions. So they're designed to generate a conversation, not just be a yes and no, and certainly not to ask accord-based data or whatnot, like do you have a safety program? Because everybody has a safety program, right? Yeah. That doesn't really you know tell how me. That goes. Yeah. And so it's in a folder on the shelf. When's the last time you touched it? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The, the Nixon administration? Yeah. So so we want to ask the question of, tell me about your safety program. How are you handling safety meetings? Where are you getting the content for those meetings? How frequently are they? Those types of questions. And uh, and then we can easily take that information and, and how the scoring, I guess, works. The answer is we didn't go the route of one to six or anything like that. Um, we actually wrote template responses for every answer to the question. And so... There's four template responses for every question written as if the prospect were answering the question. And so even if you're a young, inexperienced producer, you can grab a hold of the tool, go in and do an assessment pretty easily, listen to their answers, and you know, get pretty accurate with your answers. You don't really have to know what a you know three sounds like or whatever. And so that was kind of our way to create some consistency, but as well as support some of those younger producers to get up and running faster um, is by creating that template response structure. Um, we always do uh, it on an even scale, so that's why we do four responses. So the client has to either pick, they can't pick an average number, they have to be above or below average, right? Um, that's, that's an important piece. So little things like that that are built in as well to get that scoring and, and answer, you know, question and answer done appropriately. Love it. If somebody wants to learn more about the launch platform uh, and see if it might be a good fit for their office, what's the best place to go for that? Yep. So you can go to our website, uh, getlaunch.io. That's getlaunch.io. Or you can email me as well. We can put my email in in, uh, show notes and whatnot, but it's just E as in Elliot, Bassett, B-A-S-S-E-T-T, at mylaunch.io. I'm going to make them go to the website, getlaunch.io. You got it. They don't need you getting blown up with dozens <laughs> of agents, uh, you know, reaching out That's all uh, right. for that. So getlaunch.io, if you want to learn more and perhaps book a demo or see, I'm sure there's, you know, a, a lot, you know, video or, or you know, something yep. on yep. there where you can get a real feel for it. Yep. There's uh, a yeah, little fantastic. demo video and, uh, and then there's a spot to reach out to do a live demo and things and. Love to, I love having those conversations, you know, and it's fun to figure out how we can support other, other agencies and help continue to make us all better. Right. So as we move to, to end the episode and, and land the plane, as we say around <laughs> here, uh, what else is on your mind? What, what topics are, are you particularly interested in for 2023 and beyond? And uh, what are you, uh, what are you finding, uh, engaging right now in our industry? Yeah, you know, we were talking before the show, this chat GPT and, and AI and such is super intriguing. We actually just did a, an, an episode recording today with Ryan Deeds, who's been on the show before. I'm sure everybody's pretty familiar with him at this point. But And just talking through some of the use cases and what that has the power to do. And, um, you know, I think if we look at anything as the technology that it is and the tool that it could be, um, it's, it's pretty incredible and in what, you know, it might help agencies do and and how we could use it. So that's been something I've been thinking about quite a bit and and I think is going to significantly change those that really lean into it and think about it and how they can implement it in their agencies. I love that it is such a polarizing thing because <laughs> you can always tell the someone's general baseline for how they respond to disruptors like ChatGPT and other 
you know, machine learning, adaptive AI based technology, where the people that pull a Clint Eastwood from Gran Torino and get all grumpy and talk about the the evils of the robots taking over. It's like, just tell me that you're not comfortable with innovation uh, and you prefer the status quo. That's fine. Yeah. No, your response tells me everything I need to know. (laughs) And then the folks like you and I that see something like that and go, ooh, ooh, I can do some cool things with this. Uh, I think... And tell me what you think here, because this is a bit of a hot take. I, I, I recognize that. I think ChatGPT and other you know, open graph technology is going to expose the mediocre content creator, the person who is just phoning it in, uh, you know, borrowing content mm-hmm. from some other blog somewhere or you know, writing some info dump generic nonsense that doesn't have any real value there's no real insight at all it's we all know the blog it's you visit generic (laughs) insurance website and you go to their blog and it's like what's a deductible it's like okay well congratulations you are officially no better than google search results (laughs) what else you got what kind of insight what kind of advice what kind of utility can you bring to the client those kind of articles are officially obsolete with ChatGPT because you can type in one sentence in ChatGPT and it'll give you an entire article on what is an insurance deductible in seconds. Yep. So, yeah. What's your take on on the way that this kind of technology is going to force people to, as we say around here, implement or die? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's going to be one of those that we we don't honestly know the impact it can have yet. Um, because I think it's that versatile, but those that I would say that everybody needs to have a general understanding of what it can do because there are so many use cases for it. And to your point, if, if you're not understanding how it could impact your business positively or negatively, um, you know, you're going to be caught off guard because it's going to, um, have an impact. I'm not of the belief really with most new technology I won't say any, but most new technology that, you know, there's going to be this major disruption in the independent insurance agency channel or going to put us out of business or things like that. Um, But these are very effective tools that, to your point, can displace certain ways that we are doing things today. And that is very intriguing to me because there are a lot. I mean, even Ryan Deeds was showing me things today of how he's explored using it. And I'm like, wow, I would have never thought about that or didn't didn't contemplate that use case, you know, that are very real use cases within an agency. And that could be sales, it could be efficiency, it could be content, it could be so many different things. And so I would just encourage everybody, I mean, I agree with, totally agree with what you said, and I would encourage everybody just to play with it. It's free, there's, you know, you can get on and just start seeing what it can do because it's pretty incredible. Um, And like with any technology, just understand the tool that it is and think about how you could use it to make to bring more value to your client, however you you see that. No, love it. That that assessment I think is spot on. And I have one last question for you, and then we'll get back uh, to uh, our afternoon here. You know, it's you know, it is a well documented issue, and I don't see it changing in the next year. I think twenty three is probably worse than twenty two, as far as the the general conditions of the market. Uh, in property for sure. Uh, but I think really the only thing that's maybe getting better is work comp. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure auto uh, is in the dumpster. Maybe <laughs> can't get any worse than it already is. In the marine, depending on where you are in the country, GL is not quite as bad. Yep. Excess isn't quite as bad, but it's definitely trending in a, a hardening direction. Where do you approach the whole conversation of enduring this kind of market cycle where it seems like all the underwriting guidelines are tightened up big time. Sublimits are smaller than they used to be. Pricing is much worse than it was, you know, two years ago. Obviously, there's the COVID effect to everything. Um, but the approach that you and I and other winners take has to be more proactive and leaning into the problem, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, I'd love to hear what you're doing to succeed and thrive in a hard market segment. Yeah, absolutely. And I, the first thing I would say is this is when we're truly going to see the delineation between 
the winners and the losers because you know soft markets can hide a lot of deficiencies when it comes to agencies because you know it can be easy the clients are saving money or they're not spending any more money and you know that that can be easy to hide behind uh, hard markets are much different you have to be showing value because you can't control what that insurance price is going to do so the client has to be able to see value in your relationship that's first and foremost so you have to have a value proposition for your agency for you not relying on the carrier's value proposition uh, and then secondarily, I think what you mentioned there is being proactive. And this is probably a little bit different than a lot of people think, but I even like to get proactive with rate increases. You know, get out in front of it, educate the client. Here's where the market is. I haven't gotten your renewal in yet, but we're starting to work on it already. It's 90 to 120 days out. Educate them on where that is. Most people, you know, if they're playing defense, if they're if they're not if they don't have value, they're concerned about that. Well, why would I want to tell my client way early on that the rates are going to go up? They're just going to shop me. If that's the, the relationship you have with your client, that, that's not a good relationship. You know, it's not going to be a long-term winning relationship. No, nope. if you, you've already lost them at that point, my friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if they look at you as an advisor and you've done that work to show them that value, you're educating them on where the market is. You're going to show them your plan to make sure in the given market, here's how we're going to present you to the carrier Here's how we're going to get the best rates. Here's how we're going to get the best coverage because it's not just rates either. Coverage tightens up in a hard market. That's something everybody's got to remember too. Um, and so you have to just educate your client, be very proactive with them, and be that advisor. If you're that advisor, that's what most clients want. They want to know you've got it. You've got a plan. They don't have to worry about it. The last thing they want to do is have you not communicate with them and have a 20% rate increase, which is coming anyways, at the yep. nth hour and feel like, you know, they don't have, they're, they're stuck. They don't have the ability to do anything. And now they're just pissed. The worst thing you can do is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The, the worst thing you can do is duck and hide and disappear when the client is going to hear from the carrier. Absolutely. Uh, because, you know, as, uh, as has been said uh, before, if the client's not hearing from you, they are certainly hearing from your competition. Yep. So you can either... You can either have the conversation, the hard talk with the client, or you can let someone else have the hard talk <laughs> with the client, and you can be guaranteed you're losing your client. Yep. Bingo. So, now I, I love what you said about the segmentation uh, from the winners and the losers, and I I would adjust it a little bit uh, simply because it's to me it's not even winners and losers. It's the A and B players versus the C, D, and F players. Yeah. And the the mediocrity that exists in our industry, and I always want to put it out there when I say stuff like that that can be seen as unkind or inflammatory. I'm not talking about the people listening to this podcast, or the people listening to your podcast, mm -hmm. or the people that attend conferences, the people that are trying to better themselves and be an excellent professional in our industry. Like it's like you know preaching to the choir. Like I'm <laughs> literally preaching to the choir when I say this. The the bottom twenty percent of our industry needs to get fired. <laughs> they 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 are at best mediocre at their job. Plenty of them are just plain bad. They're delivering a, a subpar experience for their client. They don't care. They're phoning it in. They're not professionals in any sense of the word. They go to you know Web CE for their education for their licensing, and they are literally the definition of the bottom twenty percent. Uh, the the barrier to entry in our industry is non-existent so for, for the, many people. Yeah. You pass a licensing exam, which is a joke. It's not very difficult. Uh, there are some people that I, I've seen who's like, you passed the licensing exam? You are technically <laughs> a licensed insurance professional? God yeah. help our profession if you're out there calling yourself an insurance agent. Uh, but I think this kind of market condition uh, is a beautiful thing in some sense because a lot of folks are going to say, you know what, screw this. I'm going somewhere else. This is no no longer fun and easy. You can't make, you know, 80, 90, 100 grand for minimal effort. Like, let's be honest, it's real easy to make a good living and be a subpar performer in this industry. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can't phone it in quite so easily in a lot of other industries without getting exposed. Yeah, so well said. I, I love the hard market. Yeah, uh, it's 
it's a good thing for those of us that are ready for it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, Anything else you want to add, man? I know uh, uh, we've covered a lot of ground in a fairly short episode. We did. We did. No, I appreciate uh, you having me on. This was, this was a lot of fun. Good deal. He is Elliot Bassett. What is your title, by the way? What, what, do, you, what do you have on your business card? Uh, president of Ella Brock Norris. Okay. He's the president, and I didn't even know to give him credit for it. <laughs> oh, that's um, nothing so that needs what, what is your dad is your dad still involved? He is. Yep. Yep. So uh, he's our chairman, um, and you know we're. I mean, he's. I, I always say he'll die in the chair. You know, he's lived and breathed this industry for thirty years, so um, he'll be here for a How long time. How cool is that? You know what? I, I, I lied. I have one last question because I love hearing from second generation folks. Your dad's been in it pretty much your whole life it sounds oh, yeah. like um what's it like being second generation being a kid and you know seeing your dad leave for work and you know doing all the waving from the driveway as he drives off when you're a kid you go to school and he drops you off at school and you've got after school activities and then you're a preteen and then you're in you know middle school and high school all the while dad's doing the insurance thing and at some point, probably in early high school, it starts to click and you realize how good your dad has it <laughs> and how much fun he's having at work and how your dad doesn't really complain the way that your kids' parents, your friends' parents complain about their jobs. It, I've always been curious because my kids are going to grow up in an insurance household. Mm -hmm. And you know, my dad, God bless him, he worked real hard and did a good job. I don't think he, if you ask him, he probably would say he was never really totally happy with his work life. He did it because he had to, and he did a good job of providing for his family. He did exactly what he was supposed to do from that regard. But you're different. Your dad's different. What's, what's it like being second generation and just literally growing up, marinating in the insurance world? Yeah. I mean, and I have to give a lot of credit to my dad of everything he, he built this place into, but you know, it's an incredible, I'm a big fan, obviously, of, of family businesses, small businesses, privately held that respect that and understand what it is because, you know, it's not easy to transition a business to the next generation, whether it's family or not. That's a very tough thing to do. But if done right, and, and this is what I felt feel like my father did very well, is it creates a, a incredible sense of ownership and obligation to continue this thing in the future. And you know, that's become kind of our mantra internally is we're going to remain independent. We're not going to sell to Gallagher Marsh, you know, the PE firm or whatever, uh, because we feel that sense of obligation, you know, that my, my dad had, he instilled in that in us and in the entire firm and then down to our communities and the families that rely on us and, and everything there. And so, you know, again, when done right, I think that's the result you can get because it, it just creates that different level of ownership and obligation in, in continuing this this legacy forward. So, hmm. at what point did you decide? And this is purely a selfish question because I love asking this of any second generation person. Because I made a promise to myself and to my wife, and without my son or daughter knowing it, I made a promise to them too that I was never going to put the slightest bit of pressure for them to join the quote unquote family business. If they choose to, great. We can have that conversation. Let's figure out where you fit in and what kind of role is, is good for you. But I'm never going to be that dad who puts any pressure on them to do anything for their career other than whatever they want to do. How was that for you? At what point uh, did you you know, encounter the idea, hey, you know what? Maybe I want to follow in dad's footsteps and do this insurance thing for my career. Yeah, the same way. He never... Uh really put much of any pressure at all. Um, and then it was really in college when, um, you know, I started to try to think about what I wanted to do with life. Started pre-med, that lasted about a semester, maybe two, uh, switched <laughs> switched to business. And, uh, um, you know, and so at that point, it was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do long term and, um, you know, had some of those conversations with him. It's uh, it's funny, he tells a story we were I was back one summer playing in golf league with him, subbing for somebody, and somebody asked me what I'm going to do. It was like my junior year, and I was like, well, I'm contemplating joining this guy. Just kind of set it off the cuff, you know, and he's like, really? Is that, that, that's what you want to do? And so we we hadn't had too many direct conversations before that, but then that kind of started the the conversations of what could work and how it could work, and, you know, the rest is kind of history, so. Mm, love that. Yeah. It it's the generational thing. It just tugs on all of the heartstrings, man. Uh, the 
the biggest thing for me for not selling. Uh, and we're selling our our, our personal lines book. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're not selling the agents. We're going all in on on commercial uh, and, and PNC, and and we're doing some life and disability now that we haven't been before. But one of the main reasons why I'm not even considering uh, seriously considering selling is I want to keep the options open. Yeah. Uh, and if the second generation uh, is interested, I, mean, I would love to be able to say, here, I've spent the last 20 years building this thing. Um, it's yours now. Yeah. Go, you know, go do it right. Well, and then just watch them thrive and do their own thing. Absolutely. And it's just such a great industry. You know, it's kind of one of those things that if you're operating the well-oiled machine that you can create and, and doing it, you know, there's so many different ways to bring value and to work with clients in this industry that you can kind of set it up the way that you want. And, um, you know, if you do that right and you're really thoughtful about it, there's, in my opinion, no reason why you need to do anything else or want to do anything else, you know? And so, um, that's our belief. That's what we, what we, you know, are committed to and, um, you know, look forward to taking it on to the next generation, hopefully. Love it. Man, Elliot, thanks for your time today. This has been a, an insightful conversation. Folks, if you want to check out the launch software platform for your sales process management, visit getlaunch.io, and that'll be in the show notes. He is Elliot Bassett, the president of Ellerbrock Norris in Omaha, Nebraska. This has been another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.